Welcome to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Our mission is to emphasize the importance of preserving historic landmarks for future generations, mental health, physical well-being, and a safe family home environment. We value your monetary support. Here's your host, Benjamin F. Diaz. She's passionate about helping fellow moms of toddlers to transform tension into connection with clinical proven mind, body, tools, and strategies. She is trauma-informed, an emotional wellness coach, and a certified emotional technician. Let's invite Clara Sedlicek to tell us more. Thank you, Clara, for coming on your Lot and Parcel show. I appreciate you taking time to, to join me today. Of course, I've uh, it's been a long time since I've had a toddler in the home, but I'm looking forward to what you have to say about how we can take care of our little ones. But before we get into our discussion, tell us a little bit about you and your field of interest, Clara. Yeah, hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. This is such a passion of mine to, you know, it's always been interesting to me. Like, how do you, how how can you be happy in the world? Like, what can you do for yourself? What can you do for the surrounding? What is it, you know, why we are here? I've been always kind of obsessing about this. And a oh, yes. long time ago, I saw the seven years in Tibet and I was like, what? Like, someone is mean to this guy, you know, the Dalai Lama, and he can still be so nice and so compassionate to others and even to the people that are hurting him. So Mm -hmm. I kind of starting to think about happiness and, and life from kind of a different perspective, you know, in the West, it's like, if you get a, someone bothers you, you make sure you settle the debt and, you know, you kind of keep working hard on your own and don't worry about the others. So that kind of got me thinking and, also wondering about you know my own happiness and unhappiness and and it all came back to the childhood you know it's always sure. been yeah. kind of leading me back and I figured you know my family had a history of uh, of war trauma and my mother grew up in a very kind of an incomplete environment because of the because of being refugees and of everything that my grandma mm-hmm. went through so you know it it started to make sense that the happiness kind of starts there when we are little. And then I figured, you know, well, how, how can I help the world to heal, to have more happiness? And I figured, you know, that's, that's the way to go to help moms to see the root of happiness and to see, to help them to, you know, foster that within their home with their Mm -hmm. little one and start as soon as possible because, you know, those formative years are super important and the, the sooner you can start, the better, but it's never yes. too late. You know, if exactly. I'm sure older listeners, you know, with older children are like, oh man, I missed, you know, it's, you, it's never too late. No, I agree with you. It's uh, our kids are, um, as I indicated, I, it's been a while since I've had toddlers, but uh, I mean, I, I really enjoy um, the, that period of time when they are toddlers you are in Vancouver. Uh, what's uh, you're originally from? Where? Uh, I'm originally from Czech Republic, and um, my family is from Greece. So oh, wow. I kind of they left Greece after the civil war, uh-huh. and ended up as refugees in Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm here, so I'm kind of a economic slash. You know, I I left my home thinking I'm leaving for economic 
economic opportunities, but subconsciously, I just mm-hmm. needed to get away. I needed some break from what was happening in my home, but I didn't yes. know that until I was way older. Yes, yes. You know, I, I get uh, the opportunity to speak to many professionals in different fields, psychiatrists, psychologists. And I remember one psychologist said that to all of us, every human being on this earth has gone through some trauma of some degree. And I, I believe that, uh, some more than others. But all of us, we we ha- haven't been able to es- escape that because life is so, uh, well, it's a variable event, you know. I mean, you just don't have any control uh, what happens within your environment yeah, sometimes. You're right. you know? So it's, uh, but I appreciate the topic. Uh, what What is the age uh, spectrum or the definition of a toddler? Well, I think as soon as you reach uh your first year uh-huh. the you know the baby years are are over <laughs> you, you you have your smash cake picture and then yeah. you are kind of a toddler and i think it's it depends you know it could be until three or five depending how you feel or how you mm-hmm. how you really what's what's more common is that the emotional kind of maturity is yes. very similar for that age and you know it doesn't really matter if it's four or two it's quite similar yeah, yeah. I, I would seem to me that uh, the mother would be a little more closer to the child and than the dad it would seem to me and I, I've seen it well even personally you know because uh, we're often uh, working and doing different things yeah. and the mom's right there you know in fact you say you're from Greece <clears throat> you know they have uh, they say that the Greeks have uh, a word for everything and they have a word for the relationship between for uh, between mom and, and child, and I believe it's called estorge. And but there isn't a def, uh, there isn't a word between father and child. Oh, wow, isn't that interesting? So that tells you the bonding, the connection that goes on there. It's it's a special uh, time for mom and and, and child. But um, and there are challenges, you know. You you talk about the the terrible twos, you know. Is that something someone someone made up, or is that really so? <laughs> I think it all comes with how how we view the world. Mm-hmm. If you if you think about half full or half empty, yeah. If you see challenges as opportunities, it really depends on your own angle. But I think what's been happening that our world is just not ready for toddlers the way we are set up and the mm-hmm. way what they need mm-hmm. our world is just way too fast and way too isolated okay. for the toddlers to thrive in, in, so, in terms can you expand on that in terms of yeah. how so so you know when we when we had societies that the moms would be around their children mm-hmm. or aunties or grandmas when we lived in a world where the mom wasn't so stressed with childcare and didn't have to go to work after six weeks of mm. having a child. Mm. That was a more soothing and nurturing environment for everybody. But right now, you know, very early, the children are. You you mentioned how important it is to bond with mom. Yes. You know that there's a special word in Greek, and that bonding doesn't happen when the children have to go to to childcare. And we are busy. We don't have time to sit down with them in the morning when they want to. Instead of going out, you know, to work, they want to sit down with you and play. Like, there's no time for that. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So when their brain is starting to, you know, change from a complete oblivious to a more aware and a being that wants something and is trying to get accommodated in the world, it becomes really stressful for them. And then it just depends how we see it. If we can understand that stress in their in their system and if, if we take that extra step to understand the behavior behind their needs, then it could be amazing too. Stressful, yeah. but amazing. I think but so. if we just, you know, hop from behavior to behavior and start pointing fingers, then it could be a very terrible experience. Yes. Yeah. You know, earlier I mentioned that um, uh, my wife, uh, which is yeah, typically, you know, mom is the one that's really close uh, to the little one. I, I've always uh, worked out at home, at home office, always well, been uh, self-employed all my adult life, uh, Clara, and always there for the kids, you know, but yet mom was a little closer you know um so i can i can appreciate that so what can you tell us about um, how to work with our kids and teach them uh, you know we talk about toys there's so many toys today so much involvement in electric electronic devices and everything i mean any any suggestions along yeah those I, ways? i think um i think it's very easy to get overwhelmed with all the you know holiday guides and all the gadgets and oh yeah I think if you can just take a step back and simplify and just think about the only thing your child wants from you is to be loved and accept and accepted for the feelings they are having. Mm-hmm. They don't really want more toys. They want you to play with them. And you can be playing with a piece of paper or a cardboard box. Yeah. So when you start obsessing and thinking about, oh gosh, am I doing enough? Does he have enough? Does she have enough toys? Just, you know, just take it easy on yourself and look into the the toys that allow for more of the open-ended play. They're unnecessary, like you don't give them a specific toy to do a one thing. They could be, you know, a toy that can do all things depending on how they play at the moment. That makes things easier on your end. And then they let the child play with their own imagination instead of constantly kind of being nudged in certain direction. I think, you know, all the Montessori and Waldorf style teaching are just about, you know, less is more and let them figure out what they like and let mm-hmm. them explore. Like your kitchen cupboard, you know, when you remove the knives can be a very, mm-hmm. very fun, to- fun area to play. I let my daughter play with everything I cook with. She doesn't have a specific kitchen or a cookware she cooks with me or I give her some flour or beans, dry beans, and she just plays alongside, and mm. it's working out. Mm. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I remember my mom would do that for me when I was a little guy. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. She just, uh, whatever was in the kitchen, you know, it could be uh, a bag of beans or anything, you know, dry beans, you know. <laughs> I, 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 it's, uh, of course, uh, I come from a, well, six kids, you know, in the family. And my folks, they always took care of us, you know, but uh, back then, uh, you didn't have the devices you have today. We were very, very, very creative back then. I mean, uh, right? Yeah. You had to become creative and, you know. Exactly. And and I think parents, they need to observe that and nurture what the kids are interested in, you know. Uh, I I found that to be a a good deal there. Uh, You know, and you mentioned the gadgets, like. Mm-hmm. 
reality of parenting is you do need your break. You need to lay down. You need to have your space, especially moms, you know, after that barrage of emotions and tantrums. So it's totally fine. Let them watch TV. But what's I think what's the gist is like. Watch it with them if you want to and have those, you know, short moments that you do need your space, of course, but just you know use it as a family bonding activity and doesn't have to be a, you know shaming yourself that you let your child watch tv you know there's guidelines and that all mm-hmm. of a sudden they change the guidelines now so i think you know the best guidelines is your heart and depending also what type of a family you got some people watch more tv in general some people less so just you know do it as you feel you don't really nobody's judging you and you're not damaging your child if <clears throat> He's watching a little bit more, a little bit less TV. So mm-hmm. obviously you keep it in the healthy, sure. <laughs> healthy perspective. Exactly. Yeah. I think parents for the most part are intuitive right. as to what the kids need or, or how much, you know, of what they're uh, being exposed to, such as TV, as you mentioned, and other things. Uh, but kids, you know, growing up are learning, learning uh, how to interact with others. Uh, sometimes they're a little aggressive. Uh, their, their behavior is is aggressive sometimes. What would, any suggestions how a mom or, or parents can yeah, deal, deal with that? For sure. Um, yeah. uh, before I had a child and I saw some toddler style ages being, mm-hmm. you know, pushing or screaming, I would be like internally judging the parents being like, what are you doing? You know, where is this child coming from? Like what's happening in their sure. home? And then I have this sweet, sweet one and a half year old and all of a sudden we get this very intense physical period on the playground for about a year. Mm. And you name it, pushing, scratching, biting, hitting. And I was so ashamed, like feeling it's, you know, I felt I must have failed somewhere. And because when it hits you right home, you're like, what? What did I do? What did I do wrong? Mm. But you know, this age, this is just the way they communicate. And there's really like, you can say we don't hit or, but when you try to look at the, whatever your child is doing in this age, just see it as a way of communicating with the world saying, I'm not sure how to proceed. This is what I know I'm going to push, or I do not want to this child near me. This is my space. I'm going to protect myself or I like that toy and I'm going to go get it right now because I'm important more than anybody else in the world. And right now, the world to them is the mom, the dad, you know, their siblings, the dog mm-hmm. and them. Like that's that's the world. Yeah. And the hierarchy is based on them, not on other anybody else's needs. And I think we start to project the needs of the society, you know, altruism, caring, sharing, all these things on them super early when they are not biologically ready. Mm. So a child will kind of start on their own when they are like three and a half, four. So all this caring is sharing. It's actually really pushing on some, you know, society's needs on kids that are not biologically ready. So it, it creates more harm than then uh you know it's not really helpful for them to be nudging them into sharing Mm. and there's a awesome book it says it's with the title it's not okay to share 
and it's you know very very nice it kind of tells you everything about their needs and how it's super appropriate to be mm -hmm. self-centered and not wanting to share mm -hmm. Interesting. And when yeah. you see you know aggression what we call aggression is just yeah. them communicating yeah. and you can say you know this is not helpful I, I can show you a more helpful situation to deal with so you know the mm -hmm. okay we don't push you can ask for it or you can go to me for help or you can just go away if you know if someone's bothering your child and then he's kind of protecting themselves so you just kind of start telling them how we deal with the world in a gentle way but don't expect yeah. them to be able to do it just yet yeah well that makes sense you know i mean at that age their audible skills are not what they should be like you know like we have but therefore they reflect their what they want to say and how they behave yeah and you know yeah. it's really confusing because mm -hmm. at two or two and a half they are verbally very skilled they can tell you a lot but they don't have the emotional skills to match their verbal skills. So it's really like the the, the self-regulation comes way later. And for mm -hmm. kids that are developing in a kind of a happy pace, like if you're stressed or if the child has lots of going on in their lives, their emotional mm -hmm. responses are going to be a little off the chart or delayed. So if you feel like, you know, your child might be a little bit too much on the spectrum of whatever it is that aggression you feel then look into what's happening you know in your life sometimes they or very often they respond to mm. you know conflict trauma things in the life in the life of their family with behavior that we can just observe on the playground or when they are with their friends yeah i, I can see that where it'll carry over you right. know that, that same um stress uh, kids are very sensitive you know they uh, they're not dense at all you know they're very sensitive so how do you begin to help them to uh, build relationships with other uh, kids uh, yeah just let you know i i'm from europe where we mm -hmm. let the kids be kids and i think that's that's the way to let them establish themselves in a you know in a safe situation you just sure. let them do it and obviously watch out for hitting each other with a truck over their head and you might help out there but other than that like little scuffles are totally normal mm -hmm. and i've noticed the different styles of parenting here in north america is that we are so much more like i think my daughter was two the other child was a year and a half and we had another three-year-old playing and mm -hmm. us three parents we were sitting behind them and almost puppeteering them like you know don't take this toy oh. you have to ask for permission here he wants to share your toy why don't you give him your toy so i think we were doing a lot of the social interactions that should be happening mm -hmm. between them for them and mm -hmm. when i went back to your i was like i saw the playground and parents just sitting talking to each other and kids playing together and i was like okay well i have to I have to yeah. ease back a bit. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, kids, are, you know, they, they have to be left alone to sort things out. And of course, as you say, under supervision, you know, and see how they handle things. And, and, um, but sometimes, you know, as parents, parents are very busy. They, they, some, you know, you have families where father and mother has, they have to work. So what comes into play is childcare facility. Any thoughts on what to look for, whether that facility would be 
fitting? Oh my, this is such a crazy topic. I, you know, I'm from Czech Republic, so mm-hmm. childcare, it's the maternity leave is for three years. Mm. Here in Canada is a year. And oh. I know states is like all over the spectrum from nothing to like yeah. three months, maybe. I don't know, Ben, what's the typical for the states, but it's not super long, is it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. About three months is what I've heard, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think the typical is like six six weeks and three months mm-hmm. is if you're really lucky. So I would say this is, you know, such a topic, but it's, I would say to follow your heart. If you, if you feel that your child's needs are met, then that's it. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't, I would not pursue, you know, for this preschool age until they go to kindergarten. Personally, I don't pursue any like education style daycares. Mm -hmm. I think that they should just play. And it's, you know, it's a a scientifically proven model. Like the more they play without guidance, the more they are motivated to learn, the more they want to learn. And as soon as we, even this early, as we start like teaching them letters and showing them what to learn, their interest just drops off. So I wouldn't, I would choose to have my child in a like a place where he's or she is emotionally taken care of, where I feel right. she has a bond with the caretakers and I feel good about it over some place that states that they educate or they have, you know, yeah. preschool program style, or I would just go for the heart and right. not for the brain. There you go. You are listening to your Lot and Parcel podcast. Please tell a friend and support the educational program by leaving us a rating or review. We thank you in advance. Today, we are spending time with someone who is an emotional wellness coach and a certified emotional freedom technician. And she's encouraging moms to focus on their need as moms first to be able to emotionally and physically be fit to nurture their little ones. And that makes a lot of sense to me because it does carry over as moms and dads. And to learn more on how she can help, the link is found in the show notes. Let's get back with Clara Sedlicek. I, um, uh, raising our kids, I, uh, I don't think we do ever, no, I don't think we ever did use any facility, any, um, I, ca- I can't even remember having a babysitter, uh, cause we were always, uh, there for them, you know, uh, I always think twice, you know, um, as to, uh, childcare, cause it, it's just not, uh, well, I don't know. You hear stories and so forth. I don't know. Maybe I'm paranoid. I don't know. But the, Well, I, I think, I, you know, the, the reality of childcare is that mm-hmm. not everybody can stay at home. I mean, if yeah. you can, if you can sure. push it as long as possible, sure, if you, you know, yeah. don't buy a house and stay at home with your kids, that's more important yeah. <laughs> right yeah. now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the kind of a leading Canadian and international author on trauma, Dr. Mm-hmm. Gabor Mate, who 
speaks about this a lot about children and attachment children to families advocates for kids to be home until they are five Mm -hmm. you know as long as they can stay with a family member grandma auntie yes you know but if you have to you have to go right that's that's the reality yeah 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 that would be the ideal to stay home uh I know over the pandemic, uh, past couple of years, you know, it's uh, many were forced <laughs> to stay home, you know, and I and I think uh, they they learned a lot. Parents did learn a lot of what kids are going through from an educational standpoint and uh, their needs, uh, emotional needs as well. And I think uh, I, I know some that did make those uh, changes to just to stay home. You know? Right. I it's it's awesome that. It gave us that little. I think so. You know, it was like a break changer. Yeah. Like it just yeah. threw everybody out of their comfort spot and made also people come up with really creative ideas and solutions to mm-hmm. family and childcare. So, yeah, a lot of people are now able to you know be at home, and I think that's that's really great for the kids because I see that our child like she goes to daycare, but she would rather be at home. Yeah, and she's yes. okay there. She has her friends, but mm-hmm. so I think like a mix mixed care model. But then we have to look to our politicians to actually make that possible for parents. So that's another conversation we it could sure be is. having. It sure is, um, but it's interesting. I, I think the trend is um, many are working from home. In fact, I just recorded an episode here yesterday, telecommuting, uh, where she talked about. Uh, uh, how to stay healthy mentally and, and so forth when you're home and, and where you're isolated, you know, from your uh, work uh, mates, you know, and uh, but uh, I can see that. But when you have children, I, I think that's ideal um, when you have children to stay at home and, and, and care for them that way. But sometimes you do have to uh, separate, um, you know, how do you how do you handle that? Make separation a little easier when you do have to. Uh, work uh, yeah so when we go with validating and accepting her feelings we talk about you know she says so many things when she doesn't want to go and we listen to every everything and I ask why Mm -hmm. and she has very you know interesting reasons some are very irrational and I validate those and some are very (laughs) irrational Sure. And we still stick with them. And we have a, you know, a couple of processes. One part is a little drama puppet process that we can talk things out. Like we just try to, and I think all the parents that are, you know, dealing with their children are trying to validate what they feel. And sometimes things could come up within yourself. And that's the thing yes. that I'm teaching moms is and parents is, when your child is telling you something or dealing with an issue and things come up within yourself, that's <clears throat> a perfect opportunity for you to remove a little bit of a baggage from your own, mm-hmm. you know, from your own bag. Yeah. And it could be triggering when you you need you need to go to work, you don't have any other option, and your child says, I don't want to go. So you could be going into a defensive mode 
and be like, well, look, I have to work. Everybody has to go like it. That's the world. And we have to all chip in and you could go that way. Or you can just, you know, create a safe space for sharing. Mm -hmm. And I, I say, uh, weather the storm together. Like, you know, we cannot. Sorry, I have a cough right now coming up. Just a sec. It's okay. We cannot remove the storms, and you know that well now in California with all the rain. Yes. But we can help them weather them together. Yeah. And that's all about the validation and acceptance. And all our issues that are coming up are from the moments in our childhood when we were not listened to, when we were invalidated, and when we felt like we didn't matter or we are not loved. Mm -hmm. I, I think so. I think as parents, we, we, we carry a lot of baggage from the past, and it's unfortunate, but it's a matter, I think, to, to begin with, it's part of being aware of it. If you're aware yeah, of it, sure. you know, that that's your first step, then you can, you know, kind of manage that and uh, and be able to to uh, care for your, your little ones. Well, but, that's why, that, sorry, sorry for jumping in, but that's why the mm -hmm. toddlerhood is so important, even yeah. for the parents, because... Yeah nobody can trigger you like your toddler yeah. and if you just look at it as oh my god this is so horrible <laughs> or you can just see that as opportunity to you know go in and heal whatever's the the mm. one unhealed thing behind every and each of your triggers and just start looking at it that way and then yeah. you know if you have a growth mindset you can actually move on yeah exactly in fact uh, you speak of trigger um Kids are very finicky and real fussy sometimes by eating and sleeping. Uh, how would you handle a situation like that? And that brings up uh, a memory here. I, I knew a, a mom that uh, the little one, I think uh, she was maybe three, four. She didn't want to eat at all. In fact, had to take her to the doctor. Just didn't want to eat. I mean, how, how, did, you... that, how did she did she ended up like starving to death or did she no want... no she just finally started a little bit at a yeah. time but she just. Didn't, did not want to eat. I don't know what happened there. I think there's a bigger story behind there. But uh, um, she, I mean, took her to, you know, a doctor to, then to get a second opinion and um, and worked with her and just. Uh, but uh, she's a stay-at-home mom, and apparently she uh, she was able to overcome that uh, the little one. Uh, so I think that's a very probably a very specific. Yeah. A uh, very specific example of mm -hmm. maybe something really going on there and within yeah. the child's environment, but generally, yes, you know, so. in general, most of the fussiness is just extremely normal <laughs> for toddlers. Yeah, yeah, to love something one day and not love something the other day. And <clears throat> what is the most important thing? I talked to a nutritionist who mm -hmm. who really deals with this age group and she said that the most important thing like our role as parents is to provide like put it in front of them right and yeah. their role is to eat it <laughs> or not yeah, but that's yeah. where it ends yeah. it's not anything with forcing or offering you know air airplanes and eat one mm -hmm. for mom and eat one for <laughs> that mm -hmm. and it's also an opportunity to deal with your own <clears throat> table you know table issues like the way you were raised what was said around the table when you were a child you might be then 
you know, projecting that onto your child because mm. you those beliefs are still in your system if you didn't have a chance to revisit. Mm. So if this food or sleep thing is, you know, bringing up tension within you, then, you know, you mm. have work, you have to work on that so you can just be peacefully giving it to them and not expecting anything. And yeah. the same thing with bed with bedtime, like, you know, obviously routines try not to rouse them with electronics mm. and things like that mm. so if you oh, yeah. if you yeah. keep it to this like the biggest the big the biggest question here is what's the how does the child sleep like we co-sleep from day one she's a three years old now and she still co-sleeps with me mm. and that's an that's a thing that works for us so i don't feel like walking out on her in the room and you know shutting the light and sure she sleeps with us so depending on your family what's your arrangement ask yourself if you feel comfortable with the way you are sleeping right now would you like to have your child nearby or is it way too much for you you know just see what see what the sleeping arrangement is and also see mm. why are you frustrated with the behavior because you know it's so, it's typical for toddlers to be all over the spectrum on sleeping yeah. and just see that tension within you again and see what it's bringing up for you and if you can kind of calm that down and as soon as usually like the kids they are like a barometer as soon as there's a tension in the family anywhere they're like oh you know this oh is gosh. where i'm gonna show you so oh yeah Sometimes yeah. they are showing you and sometimes they're just toddlers being all over the spectrum with sleeping. And as long as you kind of keep in mind that, you know, it's a, it's a phase, eventually they will sleep just mm -hmm. fine when they go, exactly. Exactly. you know, when you keep that in mind. And it's really mm -hmm. a short time when they are so precious and so vulnerable mm -hmm. and so amazing. And then, you know, they, you know, you can attest to that. They leave sure. earlier than you think. So sure. it's yeah, I think so. I mean, if the little one's hungry, um, it'll eat. If not, it won't. Right? Eat. Yeah. It won't, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> I think us, us adults can probably learn from that, to be honest with you, because sometimes we we think that we have to eat, but we're just not hungry, you know? Right. And, <laughs> so, you know, we were, I maybe your generation even more being told mm -hmm. that, you know, you have to finish up your plate and oh, yes, yeah, you can yes. choose, this is it, you finish this up and... You know, they were very interesting or almost traumatic family dynamics during, ta you know, table yeah. manners. Like my mother was, she really believed that I need milk and I did not, I just despised milk from, from when I was born for some reason. And mm. she would try to force feed me and, uh, you know, sit me in the kitchen and just wait for hours if oh, I didn't drink the milk. So... Yeah, you know, yeah. she just had a fear that if I don't eat the milk, my bones are gonna yeah. crumble or whatever was she afraid of. So, you know, there's things that we have in our system. Sometimes it's fear, sometimes it's a belief that was put on us. So, you know, go and investigate what you are actually like, kind of a healthy self-care family mm -hmm. process. Go through what you, what you were put on belief to believe and then see if that's helpful or not to your own family and write your own story like do you know the story of the ham cutting of the ham uh no like it's a you know it's a quick story of a sure, sure. granddaughter asking her mom <clears throat> like 
or a daughter asking her mom, like, why do we cut the ends of the ham to put it in the pan? And she said, well, that's how my mom would do it. And then they go and ask the grandma and she said, well, that's how I do it because the pan used to be this small and the ham would not fit. Mm, okay. But, you know, nowadays the pants are bigger and you don't need oh, to do yeah. that. But since it was just a habit in the family, it was just done that way. So, yeah. you know, the moral of the story is, you know, whenever things are coming up, use those moments of tension to transform them into connection and deep, you know, dig deep mm-hmm. and see if anything in this tension is maybe some old stuff that you don't need in your life and your toddler is just helping you to get lighter emotionally. Exactly. No, I, I agree with you. It's, uh, yeah, you, you have to examine your, your core beliefs, you know, that you've picked up along the way and, and examine, like you said, do the research on that, whether it really holds holds water or not, that sort of exactly. thing. And uh, so uh, um, what kind of tools would you have for parents uh, that you would provide for parents, um, uh, perhaps on your website? possibly so my tools deal with emotional regulation for the parent and for being mm-hmm. connected to the child so all right i have a bunch of uh, body i i use a body mind technique eft tapping and through that you can uh, you can do uh you know visualization slash meditation styles on uh, being triggered or trying to deal with some emotional issues you're dealing with your child or mm-hmm. also tools with understanding your toddlers in on the emotional end of the equation and on connecting with them from your heart so it's you know it sounds less tangible than it is mm-hmm. but it's actually a very specific process when you when you start teaching yourself to validate and accept your own feelings as a parent And then you teach that to your child, which for us as parents, we like, we weren't taught how to do that for ourselves. And now our children are watching us bottle our feelings and not being able to express what we need Mm -hmm. while we want them to do that for themselves. Yeah. So I think it kind of starts with us. I think so. I think so. Because uh, once we we, we become a parent, uh, Clara, it doesn't come with a handbook, you know? No, no. But, you know, we all come up, we all are born with a heart. Yeah. And then throughout the process of life, I think we are getting removed from the heart more and more with life, education and separation. And we are brought into the brain, you know, into the science. And then when we are parents, we think like, oh, I have to read this and that. But Mm -hmm. your heart is still with you and it can still help out, you know, Mm -hmm. your it's it's your biggest magnet and biggest compass so that's true that's use true it. yeah there's an inherent um intuition of what's right and wrong totally you know and um whether you want to call it a moral compass uh whatever but you know uh, parents uh we're born with it innately yeah with and mm-hmm. i think the ben, the biggest biggest question a parent can ask when you mm-hmm. are trying to figure out how you're going to deal with a situation with your toddler is, is this bringing me closer mm-hmm. or further mm. to my child? And it comes from the you know concept of Pamlio's uh, connective parenting. And because so many things we do, you know, they, when, whenever they do something, they always seek our 
our health. They want us to pay attention to them. They want love. But there are so many techniques and strategies regarding that, you know, yeah. time out and separating them from us at the moments when they need us the most. So mm-hmm. even though you might know exactly what you want to do or what you have to do or what are you going to do, just think about it in the terms like, is the next step going to bring me closer or further? There you go. Yeah. Heart to heart. There you go. Well, that's uh, that's nice. You had some good good things to share with us, uh, Clara. And I, I think, uh, I think you're on track. You're, you're spot on. Um, and it sounds like um, you're a good mom. So I, I, I commend you for that. How can uh, my audience reach out to you, contact you for more direction on this topic? Clara? They can contact me through my website, through clarasedlacek.com. Okay. And I, I'm hoping you can include it in your notes, but I'm going to spell it out as well. It's K-L-A-R-A-S-E-D-L-A-C-E-K.com. And I have a quick download if the parents are interested on how to deal with tantrums with peace. There you go. Good. Yeah, it'll be in my show notes. And uh, Perfect. It was uh, delightful visiting with you, uh, Clara. And uh, um, all I can say is... uh, Keep up the good work, and I, I wish yeah, you well. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for interviewing me. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening. The theme music has been provided by Echo Foxtone. All the opinions expressed in the podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. We hope you will join us in supporting home and family through your monetary funding. For more information, please visit yourlotandparcel.org.